Well, as I saw those testimonies for the first time, I could not help but think of the the quote by the Christian writer C.S. Lewis, who said, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. And I wonder, what is holding you back? What is holding you back? What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind that you might find the freedom in what God has for you, that you might find something far, far better? And that's actually why we have the book of Galatians, that Galatians was written from the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament to help the church in Galatia wrestle with something far, far better. And so if you would, grab a Bible, grab your own Bible, uh, grab a pew Bible in front of you, turn to Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to be in uh, this book for the next seven weeks all the way through Easter and would encourage you to read it yourself over the next week. Uh, start from the beginning, read to the end. It's not, not very long, um, but having the whole context for the book helps. We're going to hit certain verses along the way. We're starting in chapter 1, verse 6. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So let's stop there. He's fired up. He's fired up. He's passionate about something. I I think whenever we get something that's fired up, so imagine like getting an email or a message and that person, they don't don't beat around the bush. They They don't bother with niceties. And if you look at all the other letters Paul wrote, he almost always starts with these niceties and this thanksgiving and how I praise God because of you. And he doesn't do that here. He just jumps right in. And when we get letters or messages that just jump right in, we think, oh my gosh, how rude. Or maybe we realize, oh, something is really serious here. Something is really urgent. And that's what happens here is that the Apostle Paul wants to address something so urgently, so passionately, so directly that he just dives right in. But I want you to see that the thing that he is diving right into, the thing that he wants them so passionately to know is actually quite simple. And it's this, that the gospel is the way. The gospel is the way. I would say you should write that down in your Bibles. There are lots of ways to sum up what happens in the book of Galatians, but this is one of them, that the gospel is the way. You can write it in the Pew Bibles. In fact, I think uh, Pew Bibles to be used and well-worn, I think, is a good sign of a good and healthy church. So you're welcome to write the gospel is the way in the Pew Bibles. But, but this reminds me of one of my favorite Star Wars characters, the Mandalorian. 
So some of you are familiar with the Star Wars uh, universe been going on for decades now, but one of the latest characters over the last few years is the Mandalorian. Not his real name. He is a bounty hunter raised in the Mandalore culture. And what we find with uh, the Mandalorian is that he observes a very strict moral code. And often people are confused by the things that he chooses to do or not do. For instance, he will not take his helmet off. He wears that helmet in situations where you're like, bro, just take the helmet off. But he doesn't. He just leaves it on. It's got to be so uncomfortable. And it's part of the code. And, and his little catchphrase for why he does the way he does what he does is quite simple. He says, this is the way. This is the way. Over and over, he says, this is the way. This is the Mandalorian code. It is the most important thing to him. It is the guiding light. It is his North Star. It's the thing he does everything else by. It is the way. And, and in Galatians, we see the, the, the Apostle Paul saying that the gospel is the way, that there is no other way. I mean, he is so fired up about this that he's calling down curses on them. Which, like, biblically speaking, it's like the worst thing you can do. He's calling down curses on them. He's so upset that they're turning to some way other than the gospel. And this is the most important thing. It is the guiding light for Christians. It is the North Star. The gospel is the reason that we do everything else. It is the thing that we live by. And it's the reason for this letter that he wants to powerfully remind them that the gospel is the way. Now, the word, uh, the word gospel literally just means good news. Good news. Now, news is about something that has occurred, something that has happened. And what is the news that has happened? He actually tells us right before this passage in verse uh, 3 and 4, he says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So the thing that Jesus has done is he gave his life for us. He, he died on the cross and rose from the grave that he might defeat the power of sin and death. Now that might sound abstract, but here's why it matters. Because you and I, as we go through life, any of us, whether we've been in church our whole lives or this is our first time ever, all of us go through life trying to get to a good life. We all want an abundant life. We all want a good life, a flourishing life. And yet the thing that prohibits us from getting there is what the Bible calls sin. The, the curse, the weight of sin and death that always haunts us, that always holds us down, and always threatens our ability to live a flourishing life. And so Jesus enters into that death and that sin and shows that it has no power over him. He makes a way for us to live an abundant and flourishing life in God's kingdom. So the Good, the gospel is the good news about what Jesus does for us that changes everything. It changes our lives. The gospel has the power to move us beyond wherever we're stuck in our lives. And yet, these Christians in Galatia find themselves turning towards something other than the gospel. Now, to understand the accusations that Paul is making towards them, we have to understand their context, and it's really important. 
Okay, so as the church, as, as the gospel spread and as churches started all over the Roman Empire, which was the dominant, uh, the dominant uh, empire or world power at the time, so as the gospel spreads throughout the Roman Empire, uh, it, it goes into places like Galatia, which are primarily uh, Roman colonies or Roman cities that have pockets of other religions, including pockets of Jewish people. And so as it spreads, what you need to know is at certain times in history, the Roman Empire was very harsh towards other religions, and at certain times they were very tolerant towards other religions. Well, at this time, they had made special concessions for certain religions within the empire, and one of them was Judaism. So the Jewish people uh, had special provisions that as long as they kept to themselves and didn't push their religion on anybody else, as long as they kept to themselves, they were protected. They didn't have to worship the Roman Empire. They didn't have to change their religion. They were protected. Well, as the gospel spreads, again, uh, all of these new Christians attach their faith to the thing that God did all the way back in the Old Testament with Abraham, which is the beginning of the Jewish religion. And so you've got these Jewish people in Galatia who were saying, wait a second, we have special provisions. If all of these random people start saying, yeah, we're Jewish too, and we're Jewish too, and we're Jewish too, the authorities might go, hold on a second, hold on. All these people can't be Jewish. And they might start to take away the special provisions that the Jewish people had in that culture, the special protections. And so there was a group of Jewish people who were putting pressure on these new Christians to say, sure, you can claim that you follow Jesus, who is one of our own. You can claim that your, your faith is attached to Abraham, all this stuff. But you need to start also looking and acting like Jewish people. Otherwise, we, the Jewish people, might lose some of our special protections in Galatia in terms of the Roman authorities. So it's an important context because I want to walk you through a few things as we read like they were, they were pressured to take on these ways of looking Jewish. Now, we would call these like Jewish identity markers, like circumcision and dietary restrictions and calendar, like special calendar observances, and they were tempted to take on these Jewish identity markers. Now, I want you to know what this wasn't because it's important. And it's important because the ways that we might think that this applies, if we could just dismiss it and go, well, that, that's not really my story. That's not my life. It doesn't apply to me. Then this remains sort of like a, a sort of a theoretical thing and not a practical thing. So I want to show you some stuff. The first is, this is not about changing a statement of belief. Paul wasn't accusing them of taking their doctrinal statement and adding some things and subtracting some things. It wasn't about a theological statement. And that's important because if it's about a theological statement, it can be about theologians and academia and, and, and this esoteric stuff that doesn't really affect our everyday lives. But it wasn't about changing a statement of belief. The second thing is it wasn't about the pressure to abandon faith in Jesus. That it wasn't about this like persecution to like give up your faith and turn towards atheism or agnosticism or some other religion. It wasn't about that. And again, that has happened to, to Christians throughout history. It happened to the early church. It happens around the world today. But that's not our story. We're not pressured every day to say, hey, just give up on your faith, man. Just give up on Jesus. And so again, we could write it off and say, well, that's not really about me. The third thing is, it's not about earning salvation. And this is actually the most common misunderstanding with this text, is that to think like, well, they're trying to do these Jewish things so that they can like make themselves right with God through observing the law. But that's not actually what's happening. 
And we don't do that either. None of us, uh, none of us think like, oh, you know, I'm going to try to keep all of the rules exactly right. And then God will love me and rescue me and I'll be one of God's children. We don't really think that way. And so again, we could just compartmentalize that and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. So Paul wasn't worked up about any of that stuff. Here's what he's worked up, worked up about. That they were living lives, their everyday lives were living as if Jesus did not matter, as if the gospel didn't matter. In fact, here's what he says in verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. He uses the word deserting like a military deserter, like somebody who's changing allegiances, like a traitor and so we can all think about like people that we know that, that changed teams or changed schools or changed companies because they weren't getting what they wanted to hear and they thought this other team, this other school, this other group, it will help get me to the life that I want. So the thing that this was about was seeking another path to a good life. That they were seeking another path to a good life. All of a sudden the gospel no longer seemed like the most effective and efficient path to an abundant, good, and free life. Because they faced this pressure from these Jewish people, these Jewish leaders, to take on these identity markers. And that pressure caused them to go, wait a second. There's an easier way. There's a quicker way. There's a more comfortable way to relieve the burden of this life. And it's just to take on these identity markers. And so they exchanged the good news of Jesus for some other good news promise. And that's exactly the same pressure that you and I face every single day. You see, we don't, if we're honest, like we don't abandon Jesus. We don't give up on the gospel out of like boredom or apathy or because there's some hot new religion down the street that we want to check out. We end up giving up on Jesus because he doesn't work how we want him to work. He's not as efficient or as effective or as productive or as comfortable as we might like. And so we're tempted. Here's an easier way. Let's go that way. Let's choose it. It'll be the fastest route to an abundant life. Which brings me back to the Mandalorian. So the Mandalorian, the central tension that he faces in the story as you watch it is people keep pressuring him to change his ways. People keep pressuring him to choose a different path, a path that might be more effective or convenient or comfortable or profitable or gratifying for him. He's, he's constantly pressured to abandon an antiquated way of life. And he's pressured with, are you sure, Mando, that this is a good way to live? And I think we have the same question. Are, is the gospel really the way to a good life? And over and over, the Mandalorian says, this is, this is the way. This is the way. That even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's not efficient, when, even when it goes against the grain of what everyone else is doing and what everyone else says, this is the way. And the central tension in the book of Galatians is that we are constantly pulled towards other versions of good news. That, that just like those in Galatia in their day and time, we are tempted to abandon the gospel in pursuit of something that seems easier or more comfortable or more acceptable or more in control and more in our power. 
So whether it's Jewish identity markers then or whatever it is today, it's always something. It's always something. And Paul says that those things, that they are no gospel at all. They're not good news. They're not good news at all because the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus leads to freedom. But every other promise of good news actually just leads to more and more burden. It leads to us doing more and more, taking more and more on ourselves. It doesn't lead to freedom. So my question is, what are you tempted to turn to? What else is offering you a good life? What are you tempted to turn to to get to a good and abundant life on your own? What's the shortcut? What's the easy way? And ask yourself, is it really good news? Is it really good news for you? Is it good news for others? Will it really set you free? I think it's easy for us to confess Jesus with our lips, but turn to something else that's more immediately gratifying Monday morning. And it's why we don't truly experience the freedom in Christ, because Our lives are built on things that demand more and more of us, but will ultimately let us down. I think if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for belonging or acceptance or love, if you're looking for reconciliation or peace, joy, the gospel is the way. The gospel is the way. Pastor Eugene Peterson said that when we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. You know, when everything else fails, God comes in. God enters our story. What's better than that? What's better than that? I know that the letter of Galatians, it starts off like in a huff. He starts off really worked up. But this is not a like, hey, get your act together, buddy. Like that's not what is going on here. He's appealing to all of us to let Jesus enter into our trouble and save us. The gospel is the only way to get to the life that God wants for you because it's the only way of life that isn't about what you can do, but about what's been done for you. The gospel is the way. It is the way to life, the way to life in Christ. I know when I've had doubts, when I've been disoriented and struggled with my faith, when I feel like I don't understand or I'm running on fumes or I've tried everything and it's failed, when I've gotten myself in way over my head, when I, when I find myself uh, at a lack of peace or, or, or I feel completely frustrated and overwhelmed with life that I can't get right or do right, I try to come back to one basic thing. The gospel is the way. I am who I am not because of anything I do or don't do. I am who I am because of what Christ has done for me and what Christ is doing in me and what Christ will do in me and through me. I am who I am because of what God has done for me and that's all that matters. And so Paul opens this letter to Galatians making sure we know that that is the thing that you have to know that the gospel is the way. A few Saturdays ago, 
a friend texted and said, hey, have you seen what's going on in Kentucky? And I, and I, I had no idea what they were talking about, so I just Googled, like, what's going on in Kentucky? There's not a lot going on in Kentucky, so, I mean, it's like it's... Uh, and, and I quickly discovered what was happening with uh, Asbury University and what's, been known, what's come to be, be known as the Asbury Revival, again. And uh, what happened was in, in Wilmore, Kentucky, this town of less than 10,000 people in a small Christian college called Asbury, that for 16 straight days and 400 consecutive hours that, that college students and others gathered and worshiped and prayed and confessed and gave their lives to Jesus incredibly powerful outpouring of the Spirit. And, and this town of less than 10,000 people, over seven, up, up to over 70,000 people came in to be a part of, of the revival. And this past week, the university finally said, like, these kids have to go to class, um, which is fine. Uh, I mean, do they? I'm just kidding. And so what I found utterly fascinating about this, as, as the stories have come out about the Asbury Revival, is that the night it started, they had chapel, because it's a Christian college, they had chapel on campus, and, and the guy who preached chapel that night, he went home and told his wife, man, I just, I just preached a stinker. It was an awful sermon. And it was the start of a revival, which just tells me, God doesn't need us. It's not about us. It's not about our strength or our, our creativity or our ability to do things. It's not about us. It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about what Jesus has done for the world and letting that loose on our lives and our world. It's about Jesus. That's who we worship. That's who we turn to. The gospel is the way. Let's pray. Holy God, holy and loving and gracious God who draws near to us, who provides a way for us to know your salvation and your goodness all the days of our lives. Be real to us. Make yourself real to us in your spirit. Help us to cling to you and you alone. For all of those in here, for, for those who are, 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 are faithful and those who are faithless, for, for, the, for the, the on fire and the doubter, would we all have a glimpse of your nearness and your goodness and trust that you are the way to life that is truly life, abundant life, life that is good and that lasts from here to eternity, God. Pull us into your presence and remind us of your goodness. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.